Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Owen. Well, it's lovely to be here. It's taken a little longer to arrange than it should have done. Uh, pandemics and other stuff interfering, but it's great to make it here in the end. I was here a few weeks back. We had a, a leaders uh, event. Owen hosted his, us here for a couple of days, and uh, as part of that, we did the, the high ropes thing out there, which was, which was fun. And um, great to be in here and see how you're using it. So yeah, thank you for your welcome. Really lovely to be here. As James said at the beginning, we have got the Advanced Global Conference happening in Bournemouth in May. Even if you could just get down for an evening, it'd be great to see you can book in just for one of the evening sessions. And uh, Bournemouth isn't that far away. We come from Paul, so we drive through Bournemouth to get here. It's about an hour and a half between here and, and Bournemouth, so certainly doable for an evening. So even if you can only get there for one of the evenings, it'd be terrific to have you come along to that, that first week in May. Okay, I want to speak this afternoon about being uh, gospel centered, being gospel-centered, speaking primarily to those who are believers, followers of Jesus. If you're not yet in that position, you can kind of listen in, and uh, I think this will be hopefully relevant for you as well. But I particularly want to encourage those of us who are already followers of Christ. Here's the verse I want to speak from, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We must Pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. The uh, purpose of the letter to the Hebrews, if you read the letter to the Hebrews, which I'd encourage you to do, I think really you could sum up what that letter is about in two words. It's believe Jesus. That's what that letter is about. Believe Jesus. When, you've, when you have believed, keep on believing. Don't give up believing in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Keep believing in Jesus. That's really the message of the letter of the Hebrews. But there is a danger that having believed in Jesus, we can start to drift. And uh, that's what this verse warns us about. Pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, why might it be that, why do sometimes people drift away from their belief in Jesus? Why does that happen? There are Three things, I think, three particular reasons that can cause us to drift. The first thing is that we can just get weary. You know, it's really hard to do one thing consistently for all of your life. The reality is that most of the things that we start doing in our lives, we give up on at some point. There are very few things that people consistently do throughout their whole lives. If you think back your life, think back five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however old you are, think back, think about the things that you used to doing. What are those things that you still consistently doing? What things do you still care about, which maybe you passionately cared about years ago? I think back 40 years ago to when I was a boy. I was passionately interested in collecting slugs and spiders, and my bedroom was full of ice cream containers full of snails, and the best day of my life was when my parents brought me a glass tank and I could keep stick insects. You know, I'm really not that bothered now. You come to my house now, I don't have Tupperware containers full of slugs in my bedroom. It just, just doesn't really interest me. Uh, th uh, 30 years ago, I actually got really into climbing. It's interesting being in a climbing center. I got all the gear, got the harness, got the shoes, got a rope, got a chalk bag. It's still hanging up in my garage, but I haven't used it for years and years now. And it's great to come and see this, but I don't feel the same desperate urge I would have done 30 years ago to start climbing up these walls. 
It's, uh, it's great, but it just doesn't grab me in the way it did 30 years ago. 20 years ago, I got really into doing triathlons. I was completely obsessed with triathlon for a few years. So it's kind of organized my whole life around training sessions and races and planning all that happening. And I really don't want to do a triathlon again. And I gave up on triathlons. And 10 years ago, I got really into running marathons. And uh, that consumed so much of my energy and a focus and, and, and attention and spare time and pounding out the miles. And you know, I, just, I really don't want to run a marathon ever again. Uh, what things have you, did you used to be passionate about which now you're just not really that interested in? Now, drifting from those things is inconsequential. The fact that I used to collect slugs as a 10-year-old boy and I no longer do. The fact that I used to be really into climbing, I no longer am. Those things are kind of inconsequential. They don't, they don't really matter. But there are other things which we can drift from which are much more significant. We can drift from things which really do matter, things which are essential to our emotional, physical, spiritual health, relationships which we ought to remain faithful in but somehow drift from. And, and this kind of drift is, is classic for people of my age, guys in their middle years, guys in their 50s like me, it's tend to drift from commitments they've made earlier in life. But actually, this can affect everybody at every age and stage in life. We can get stuck in what feels like a rut. We can get caught in what feels like a routine. We can become very restless in that, or just the busyness of life can overcome us. We can transition from feeling passionate about something to feeling familiar with something to feeling bored with something to drifting from that thing. There could just be a kind of a, a weariness that comes upon us. And very sadly, but truly, that can happen to us spiritually. And we can see this. I'm sure if you've been a Christian for any time, you've seen this. You see it in those who come to passionate faith in Jesus Christ and then over a period of time drift away from that passionate faith in Christ. And Jesus himself warned about this. Jesus told a story about a farmer sowing seed and sows into different kinds of soils. And the seeds might burst into amazing life, but if the seed is in soil which is full of weeds or which is scorched by the sun or where the birds come, it can get snatched away. And that initial joy and response to the gospel can run out of life. And this doesn't just affect new converts. You might have been serving Jesus faithfully for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and then drift. I've seen it happen. And what we need is to be constantly reminded of how amazing Jesus is. Some of the things which we've been singing about in our worship, reminding ourselves of how amazing Jesus is. We need to keep reminding ourselves of the gospel. And so the writer of the Hebrews here says to us, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. If you're, feeling, if you're feeling this afternoon, if you're feeling weary in your faith, pay much closer attention to what you've heard. Pay much closer attention to the gospel about Jesus Christ. The second reason why people can drift in their faith is not so much weariness, but actual deliberate sin. This is when we choose to do things we know which are wrong, but which in the moment feel more desirable to us than doing what is wrong. Right, And this really is a gospel issue. It's a, it's a question about belief. Why is it that we sin? Why do we do things which we know are offensive to God, even though we know they're offensive to God? It's because at that moment, we stop believing what the gospel promises us. 
Why do Christians lie? Why do Christians have affairs? Why do Christians become consumed by materialism? It's because at that moment of temptation, we stop believing the gospel. We stop believing that what is offered to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ really is all that it says it is. And we receive and believe and respond to the temptation. And all of us can be vulnerable to this. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Sometimes the very point at which we're most prone to falling into sin is the moment when we're feeling that we're standing most strongly in our faith. And it's amazing how things can just come out of nowhere and kind of slap us in the face and we don't even see it coming. And temptation can come and get us in such a way that it's like we've never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the things that we've sung, all the things that we've prayed, all the things that we've spoken of, all the things we've believed, and a temptation might come and it's suddenly like you don't even believe it anymore. We, we've just um, got a new puppy uh, in our house a few weeks back. Uh, here he is, Goose the Whippet puppy. It's ever so cute and adorable. Look at that face. There's a face of a puppy who would never do wrong. But of course, he's a puppy, so of course he does do wrong. The thing about a puppy is it has a very short attention span. Grace and I took Goose for a walk on the beach in pool this morning, and he does great, but then something distracts him, and it doesn't take much to distract him, and it's like, we don't exist. Off he goes, and off we go, try to chase him down the beach and catch him again. That's what puppies are like. And we as Christians can be a little bit like that. Even if we've been believers for years, there are things which can come, temptations, distractions, which just... Take our eyes off Jesus. Take our eyes off the gospel. And so we need to be perpetually vigilant. This is what it says in this verse. Pay much closer attention. There is never a point in life when temptations to sin will stop coming our way. Distractions, temptations will always come. And so we need to pay much closer attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third reason why people can drift from the faith is what we might describe as external pressures. These are things which are kind of temptations in some ways, but a bit different from what we might normally think of as temptations to sin. These, these I think, are the, the kinds of things, the kinds of areas in life where it just feels costly to be a Christian. It's areas of life where actually being a Christian seems to make life more difficult rather than easier. And that is a reality. There is a cost to following Christ. There are areas of life where being a Christian can seem to make life more difficult for us. Of course, in some contexts in history and in many parts of the world, even today, that can mean actual active persecution if you're a follower of Christ. In Syria or Iran or North Korea, that can invite very real, very dangerous persecution as a real cost to consider in following Jesus Christ in contexts like that. For us, in our context, in Dorset or Royal Berkshire, the kind of costs that we face are somewhat different, but we can face costs which feel very real as Christians. There can be a kind of a social embarrassment at times, being a Christian isn't particularly on trend. And to admit who we are, what we believe, can carry a kind of a, a social stigma to it. There are all kinds of financial implications. Follow Jesus, join the church, start giving your money away. A real cost. There are 
Sometimes family expectations, sometimes especially if you've got family who themselves are not followers of Christ, they might want to pull you away. Why is it you're investing so much in this church? Why aren't you investing more with us? It can be things like kids' sports. You're meeting on Sunday afternoons, which gets uh, around some of this. But I see this again and again, the kind of pressure to, we've got to take the kids to football on a Sunday morning. We can't come to church. All these things which might cause us to these pressures that can come, which can cause us to drift. And what we need is a, a robust faith that is able to withstand these pressures. It says, pay much closer attention. Pay much closer attention to what you have hurt. Weariness, temptations to sin, external pressures, all of them can cause us to drift from the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the antidote? The antidote always is to come back to the gospel, to pay much closer attention. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Therefore, when the Bible has a therefore, you always have to ask what it's there for. And it's there because the therefore is reflecting what has already been said. This is how the letter to the Hebrews begins, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What the author of the letter to the Hebrews says here, very similar to what Dave read from Colossians as we were worshipping, what, what it says here is the message which an unbelieving world needs to hear. What the gospel sets out is that God has made himself known to us. We are we are not alone in the universe. There is a God, and he has made himself known to us. This God has dealt with our sin. He has done away with, which, with the thing which would keep us from coming close to him. Access to God is now open. And in Jesus Christ, we know the one who created all things and sustains all things. And this means that coming into relationship with Jesus means life. This is the gospel. This is what the world needs to hear. And this is how we enter in. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, how do you come into relationship with God? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means receiving, believing, taking into yourself these things that God knows you. That God, through the sacrifice of his son on the cross, has dealt with your sin so you can come running into his arms knowing his full acceptance and love for you. That you can come to know Jesus who made you and sustained you and created and sustains all things. And that in him there is life and fullness of life. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to come into life with God. That's the good news of the gospel. That's how we get in. Believing these things, though, isn't just how we get into the faith. It's how we stay in. By paying careful attention to these things, by constantly believing them, laying hold of them, applying them in our hearts. And this is what it means to be gospel-centered. 
To be gospel-centered means that you keep coming back to the gospel. You keep coming back to what the truth, the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for you, living it, applying it, believing it, holding on to it. Now, how do we do that? How can we do that and not drift? You must pay much more careful attention to what you've heard so that you do not drift from the faith. How do we do that? What we need to do, I believe, is constantly, consistently apply the gospel, and we do that in the context of community. We apply the gospel in the context of community. So first of all, thinking about applying the gospel. If you read through the letter to the Hebrews, there's a lot of kind of history, talking about the history of the people of Israel, lots of Old Testament references. And uh, the reason that the writer to the Hebrews does that is that he's making a comparison, a contrast between the way the people of Israel lived and the way that now the church, the people of God, has to live now. And he says that the people of Israel, when they were led out of slavery in Egypt and came into freedom, they, they had, in a sense, they'd received the gospel. They were told how to live. They had angelically revealed instructions. God appeared to Moses. Angels spoke. There was an objective uh, set of instructions given to the people of God about how they were to live. They also had personal experience. They came out of slavery in Egypt. There were all kinds of signs and wonders as that happened. They personally experienced what God could do. But they failed to apply these things. They failed to apply what God had spoken to them. They failed to apply what they'd experienced God do. And so they drifted. And that drifting had consequences. When the people of Israel left slavery in Egypt, they were meant to enter the promised land. That journey should only have taken them a couple of weeks. But because they drifted from the gospel... They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years rather than entering the land that God had given them to possess. And the point the writer of the letter to the Hebrews makes is that there was nothing wrong with the gospel the Israelites had received. The problem was their failure to pay attention. They quickly got weary. They quickly gave in to temptation and sin. And they experienced all kinds of external pressures that caused them to doubt the goodness of gospel and the faithfulness of God. And so this letter to the Hebrews says that they serve as a warning to us. A warning of what happens if we take our eyes off the gospel and start to drift. Now the reality for us, we Christians, is that the gospel that we have received is even greater than the gospel the Israelites received. The people of Israel received angelic revelation. We have now received the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The people of Israel had the prophets who spoke to them. We now have the witness of those who saw Jesus Christ and his ministry on earth. The people of Israel had the miracles of the Exodus leaving Egypt. We have the miracles of Jesus and the active presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so what we have received is even greater than what they received, and our responsibility to respond to that then is greater than theirs. This is what it says, Hebrews 2, verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. What that paragraph says is this, that the gospel is it's kind of legally settled. Look at the words that are used. There's a declaration, an attestation, a witness. The gospel is done, it's settled, it's given by God. And it's not just something which is kind of a legal document, it's also experienced by us in the signs and wonders that we've seen in the witness of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us. We have the gospel, and so we are called to apply the gospel. Our salvation is very great. We mustn't neglect it. And so we should apply the gospel when we're feeling weary. If you're feeling weary and tempted to drift, meditate on the goodness and the greatness of Christ Jesus. Think about the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. My tastes, my interests have changed over the years. But some things I've never grown weary of. I've never grown weary of seeing the sun rising. I've never grown weary of a good meal. I've never grown weary of an experience of love. Some things I have consistently wanted, desired, celebrated. Now we need to direct our thinking, our minds, to what is eternally nourishing to the goodness and greatness of Jesus Christ. And this is what the letter to the Hebrews does. It sets out how great Jesus is, his divinity and his humanity, his his priesthood, his sacrifice, all the things that he's done. And so if you're feeling weary, what we need to do is to do the work of injecting some spiritual fuel into the system. If you're feeling weary, do the work of thinking about who Christ is, what he's done, his greatness, his goodness, all that means and feel yourself lifted up again. We need to apply the gospel when we're tempted. Remind yourself of the scale of the prize of what we have in Christ Jesus. He is the pearl of great price. We now need to allow the gospel to shape how we understand reality. This is what it says in Hebrews 11 about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses could have been a prince in Egypt, but instead he chose the disgrace of being associated with the people of God because he knew there was a greater treasure there. And when we are feeling tempted, we need to think about the treasure we have in Christ. That he is the pearl of great price. He's the treasure beyond all treasures. That having him is worth more than anything else. When those temptations come, which seem so powerful, so desirable, we need to remind ourselves of where true treasure is. We need to get a grasp of what is eternal and solid over what is flimsy and fleeting. And then we need to apply the gospel when we're feeling under pressure. Pressures that come our way can be very real. At times they can be overwhelming. And when we feel those pressures, we need to look to the example of Christ. Hebrews 12, 3. Considered him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
We need to think about Jesus, all he withstood, all he endured. When we feel pressure, think about the pressures that Christ endured. When we think about him, we realize it is possible to stand and not drift away, not give ground. When we're feeling pressured, apply the gospel. But we need to do this not just as an ourselves. We need to apply the gospel in the context of community. We can't do it on our own. Just think what it says in our verse, Hebrews 2 verse 1. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. The instruction is to the Christian church, the community. It's we, it's plural. Believing Jesus is a community exercise. Think about Verses in the Bible which talk about what it means to be part of this community. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Ephesians 1, 22, 1 Peter 2, 5. talks about us being a spiritual house, living stones, members of a body. Uh, we're joined into this family, as Owen's already said this morning. Responding to the gospel does mean joining the body of Christ. And applying the gospel means working out what it means to be a member of the body of Jesus Christ. And that has to be done together with other members of the body. And so the church itself, this little group of us here this afternoon, this is evidence of the reality of the gospel. And Foundation Church Wokingham, how you do life together, you've got to live out the gospel You've got to help one another to pay much closer attention to what you've heard so that you do not drift from it. This is something that you're to do together as members of a body. You know, it's, it's possible to attend church but not really be in the body. There can be a, a failure to apply the gospel. And there's a responsibility that we have to one another to keep ourselves from drifting and actually a responsibility to stop the church from drifting. The imagery that's used here is speaking to a whole congregation. Actually, it's not just about individuals drifting. A whole church can start to drift from the gospel. We need to be helping one another apply the gospel when we're weary, when we're tempted, when we feel hard-pressed. Don't drift. This is a, uh, a boating analogy. And uh, if you drift in a boat, that's always bad news. Drifting in a boat doesn't end in good results. If you drift in a boat, you can pretty much guarantee something bad is going to happen. If you drift, you tend not to drift into safety. You tend to drift into danger. You tend to drift into a dangerous current. You tend to drift into a rock. Drifting in a boat is pretty much always bad news. And if a church starts to drift, that is bad news as well. The church isn't meant to be a drifting boat. The church is meant to be like an ark. Think of Noah's ark. A boat in which life was preserved and saved. And the church carries those who have been rescued by Jesus and offers rescue to the world. This is what your mission, your purpose here in Wokingham is, Foundation Church, to be an ark, a boat full of rescued people who offer rescue to the world. A community of people who have experienced, received, welcomed the gospel and then offer the gospel to others. Don't let the church drift. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Got to actively help one another apply the gospel. If you see somebody's weary, speak the truth of who Jesus is to them. If you see someone who's tempted, point out to them, show them again the treasures that are ours in Christ. If you see someone who's hard-pressed, encourage them with the example of Christ who endured against sinful men. We have this great message of salvation. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift. Apply the gospel. Apply the gospel in community. Be gospel-centered. It's how you came to know Jesus. It's how you stay in faith with Jesus by returning again and again to the gospel of who Jesus is, what he has done, how beautiful, desirable, precious he is, and how he is worth pursuing and having over all and everything else. Foundation Church, you're a very young church. Be a church which endures. Be a church which pays close attention to what you have heard. Be a church which doesn't drift Be a church of people who celebrate again and again the rescue you have received because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and offer that rescue of salvation to the world which needs to hear it. Be a gospel-centered church, foundation church. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what we have in you. Thank you that you are the one who is creator and sustainer of all things. Thank you that that God has made himself known through the Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Thank you that you have made purification for sins so that we can come rushing into the presence of God, knowing we're entirely welcomed and accepted and free. Lord, I pray you'd help us to pay much closer attention to these things and not to drift, not to give in to weariness or temptation or pressures, but to keep listening to, believing, applying the gospel in our lives, helping one another see the goodness of Christ, being an ark of refuge for a needy world. In your name I ask it, Jesus. Amen.